Hey everyone, this is James from Trade Summation, and you're listening to the Trade Summation podcast run by none other than Adrian Fedini, Australia's number one sales trainer for maintenance trade businesses. Here in this episode, he's joined by Alan Ferguson from Pipeline to Profitability, where they'll be talking about sales mastery and mindset for maintenance traders. Welcome to today's podcast, Adrian. It's an absolute honor to uh, have you here today and um, might just kick off with you telling our listeners a little bit about Adrian Fedini, Trades Formation, and uh, I want to venture into where the industry is going at the moment. Sure. So, Alan, first of all, uh, absolute honor to be on the podcast. We've known each other for quite some time now. And uh, yeah, look, uh, I I'm, can't wait to have our discussion today. It's a little bit about me before we get into that. Uh, Plumber by Trade had a business called Plumber to the Rescue, exited that in 2012. And I've been coaching, I think it's now coming up to 11 years. So, and also to training my team back then as well. And um, I'm I'm exceptionally passionate. Um, everybody that knows me, uh, if, if you spend enough time with me, you'll see me tear up with inspiration. Uh, I love what I do. I feel like I've been put on the earth to help tradies uh, find that they have not only great businesses, but also for the staff members to be able to have great careers. And when they learn how to sell, honestly, ethically and morally, they uh, they realise that it's not just a job, they've got a career. So I'm very, very much hard on my sleeve, uh, a passionate man. Love that. I think we can share some of that passion. And I know that together we're going to we're gonna um, share a lot of uh, great advice for our contractor friends in the plumbing, electrical and air conditioning space. So, yeah, I, um, I want to turn the clock back. I do recall <clears throat> when I ventured into the coaching space, you know, I was running one of Sydney's largest uh, service maintenance companies, primarily plumbing. We added electrical and air conditioning down the track. But uh, you were one of the first companies that I actually got to work with and realised yeah. that, you know, all the problems that I had in my company weren't unique to my company. It was like, um, what's the old saying? Business would be so much easier if we didn't have to employ staff <laughs> or have customers. Uh, yep. I think that's true. But um, yeah, so I, I I actually really enjoyed the coaching as you do. And I and I have to say, I'm probably more passionate about helping contractors than I was having a hundred staff operation. But, um, yep. but we both share similar journeys. So where I wanted to go today is, um, you know, there's some change happening in the industry and uh, the, the journey I wanted for us to go to in the next however long we're, we're together is what's, what changes are coming and what's, what's good at the moment that uh, contractors should be doing more of. Yeah, look, 100%. Uh, the, the correction that is supposed to be coming, I think it's been coming for 10 years, uh, there's, there's, I, I guess also too, I take a very big picture view. Uh, I always want to remain positive, but I also want to be grounding my decisions and my advice in reality. And we have to have a economic turn of some sort. Okay. And that can mean good things and bad things for people that are organized or businesses and salespeople that are organized. Uh, for the ones that are organized, have great process systems, marketing structures, 
that's opportunity because the poor ones will struggle and then they can be acquired and, and, and the bigger guys, the more organized, not necessarily bigger, but the more organized can take market share. For the ones that aren't organized, that can be detrimental because in a boom time, it's it's a much easier to run a business. So uh, what's coming? Oh, I think there could be some uh, economic upheaval or, or correction um, in, in the near future. What does that mean for the listeners? Um, I'm big on mindset. I'm big on resilience, big on psychology. And making sure that you, if you're the leader, depends on who's listening. I mean, there's going to be team members listening to this podcast. There's also going to be business owners listening to this podcast. If I'm a business owner, um, how do I make sure that I'm resilient, strong, got my my house in order, but also mentally tough and mentally strong for what might happen and be the leader that my team requires, okay? When everything is falling, like uh, the... The, the economy or the or, or life in general is going to hell in a handbasket. They want to look to their leader and say, yep, I'm on, the ro- I'm on the right ship. This guy knows what he's doing. I'm staying here. Now, to answer the second part of that, what does it mean for a salesperson is no matter what the economy, you're always going to have a job if you are good at what you do. And good at what you do means blocking out the external noise, making sure you can stick to your uh, targets, your quotas, improving upon yourself, and not getting caught up in the the gossip and the whispers and and all the other uh, negative stuff that's out there that uh, could take us off our course. Fantastic, uh, yeah. Sales is, um, I mean, it's very important because uh, without sales, we don't actually have a business. And uh, you know, I want to. I'm going to double back to the, the the sales conversation because I. Um, have a completely not completely. I have a different view on on sales and and uh, its its purpose. But you're definitely right. There's there's you know we've had several quite a few good years, and I think the last time where we had the amount of fun that we're coming into was probably GFC. Everyone said, well, Australia didn't end a recession, but it was a two speed economy. Uh, it did. Um, I noticed it considerably. We actually grew. Through the last downturn, um, we we actually uh, did better when the economy was slower, and I, I think the old "less jobs makes you more profitable" rings true, and that has a lot to do with how we how we sell. But um, I think there's some great, actually amazing opportunities for those that are really focused right now and have the right mentors like Adrian or myself. We both serve a very similar coaching role in the industry. Um, You know, I purely focused on anyone that wants to grow their drain business. And, um, but, so right now I feel if you've got the right coach and you're doing the right things, conserving cash, um, because the last few years has been so much cash has been handed out yeah. And that's not sustainable. It's why our governments, not just in Australia, but in the US, governments are failing because they've been giving away all this cash. They're printing money. So next year's probably, in my opinion, uh, is going to be very, very interesting for a lot of companies. So mm. but sales, you, you mentioned the word sales. And uh, what's the old saying? Um Everyone loves to buy. No one likes to be sold. We have to yes. remember that with sales because how many of the staff that you employed 
at Plum to the Rescue and I employed at Omega and Super Drains and so that actually said, I'm gonna go and work for this company so I can sell shit. No. <laughs> Zero. <didn't. laughs> yeah. Yes, we do need to make sales, but they didn't get into they didn't get into plumbing or electrical air conditioning to sell, but it is a very important role. So I'd like to I'd like to run with that for a little bit and then yeah, absolutely got a very similar view to me. 100%. So I'm going to pick up a couple of things you've just said there. Uh, when the business is slower, we make more money. And I, I don't wear this T-shirt. I don't know if, if for the people listening, you probably can't see what I'm doing right now. <laughs> On the front of my T-shirt, that as part of my uniform, it says slow down. 99% of trades, uh, businesses, contractors, even the team members think, go next job, transaction, transaction, transaction. And even ones that learn how to sell are still leaving lots of money uh, on the table. There's a direct correlation with the amount of time that you spend, or in fact, the longer the amount of time you spend with a customer and the amount of money or the, the average, uh, how high you can get your average ticket sale. So the, I can't stress this enough, even for the guys that are selling and doing good numbers, I still think in majority of cases, 80 to 90% of cases, you could slow down even further. And that's why businesses like you've, you just stated there, Alan, that you make more money and more profit. In fact, I think that's another good distinction too. It's not just about revenue. It's about profitability as well. That's the game we want to play. Uh, it's, it's very important to understand that in slower economies and slower periods of time, and if we as the leaders of the business slow the business down, we become more profitable. That's a, that's a big, big aha for, for anyone listening today. Uh, there, there was the other um, comment you met uh, you made about buying and selling. I say this to nauseam. Uh, no one would understand if I said yes. I'm a buying trainer, right? And what I mean by that, um, we obviously are sales trainers, and I say this to my um, new clients, existing clients, and I say to this: what we do is we don't sell a single thing. What we do with my seven-step sales system and, and similar to the um, processes you have. We create the conditions where the customer has a high level of trust and rapport and feels like, yes, I want to buy from you. So we create the conditions where the customer wants to buy from us rather than us sell to them. And that is a massive psychological flip here because what happens is when I'm thinking of, and I see this and I, and I, and I deal with it on a daily basis, got to get my quota, got to do my inspection, got to, got to go and, um, and, and hit budget. That focus is completely inherent on me, 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 me. When I go back to I want to create the conditions where customers want to buy from me, it's about providing service. It's about slowing down. And it's an inherent focus on them and, and helping them solve their problem. And you as a service provider get paid the fair market rate that where you make a profit, the salesman makes a commission and the customer wins because they get an amazing customer experience. So that that's that's kind of my philosophy behind behind sales. I love it. When our team win and our customer wins, the company wins. It's really simple math, isn't it? So absolutely. I want to go. <laughs> I think we're going to spend this time going back into some of the things that each of some of the value that each of us provide. So I want to go back to. I mean, what I know for a fact, and this was only when I started working with some of the greatest sales trainers on the planet, and you know, I've had the likes of Charlie Greer, Tech Daddy, and and Kenny Chapman, and then you know, 
I've had Mark Madison, Matt Michelle. I've had some great trainers. It was only when Joe Cunningham, um, my current business partner, came and started working with us around 2013. And he implemented, you know, um, processes into our business. And let's call it the perfect service call, which is Joe's signature training. We've modified that to the perfect service call for drains. Now it's transitioning into call by call management, which is the hot topic. And, and if we've got time, I'll touch on that a little bit. So one thing Joe said to me, the companies that he works with that have really slowed it down. And I love that shirt, by the way. Um, Thank you. I need to get myself one of them. Yeah. Um, have really slowed it down and they do the full inspection, home inspection, and they maximize the sale those companies leave about 40% on the table. Now, that's the well-run companies, you know, three jobs, two to three jobs a day. So how much fucking revenue is left on the table with the contractors that are not following a proven process? Yep. Uh, it's 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 ac absolutely mind-boggling. And, and what resonated with me, and I, I try not to quote other professionals unless I actually name them in the quote. And something that Joe taught me, many things actually, was was you can't make a sale to a customer for a problem they don't know they have. So how do you, how does that relate to you? You can't make a sale for a problem the customer doesn't know he has. I mean, that opened up, like that really got my analytical brain moving how how do you feel about that statement it's funny i we we coach on uh urgency and problems and ex exactly to this point what a, what a uh, and, and i'll stick to plumbing as we're both plumbers but obviously we work with electric well i work with electricians and um hvac and pest control anyone in a maintenance space and what happens when i see a a new plumber selling or a, a service tech selling they get all excited because they can see, oh, the drain's cracked and I'm going to be able to sell a dig up here. And they see all the urgency, but they fail to convey that urgency and that problem to the customer. And then they scratch their head and wonder why they never sold the job. So I I, I think that, well, I'm, and again, I know Joe, but I, um, I don't know, I'm not familiar with his um, material, but what I am familiar with is the fact that they get like oh the 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 big tickets uh, green eyes and they 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 get excited that this is um yeah this is gonna be a big big ticket sale for me but fail to get the urgency and the message from them over to the customer and then the customer then decides not to buy. You, you're on the right track now. I I learned. I mean, I've been saying this for the last few years. I've learned way, way, way more from my failures and my successes. So Absolutely. one of the biggest failures I had while I was running um, my previous service companies was this customer had been using us for years. He, I, I forget, I think he lived out, he, he lived out west, maybe Castle Hill out that way. Big property had been using us for his plumbing, his drainage, his water heaters. His, he, he We had stickers on everything and, and, and he loved our company. So he had a drain problem. So my technicians went out, they found some problems to his drains. They gave him solutions, not just a solution. Um, yep. You know, you, you can we can band-aid it, but we recommend, you know, you love your house because you've, you've pretty much replaced everything. We can fix this drain for you with a trenchless solution. It's X. So he went ahead and fixed his drains. Now, I always 
always train my technicians, you need to never leave the home unless you've checked over anything that could be looked at as plumbing. And because we did electrical and air conditioning, we would nearly always check the whole home. So uh, my techs were well-trained. They knew what they had to do. You know, this is something funny and you might, this will morph into a, another conversation. My technicians um, that did the big drain repairs never brought it back any um, anything else except for the drain repair. And I'm going, well, fuck, you know, it's a 15-year-old house. The customer's just replaced all their drains. What you're trying to tell me is there's nothing wrong with taps, toilets, like seriously? Like, please don't insult me on that one. Um, but yeah, this particular job, I get a phone call. Well, we got a phone call because, you know, we were handling a lot of inbound calls. And I heard, I heard the name come up and I jumped on the call. He was pissed. He said, Alan, I've been using you guys for 15 years now. Um, I trusted you guys. I've lost trust in your company. I've just spent $20,000 or whatever it was with your company to fix my drains. And now I've got a drain blockage in another part of my house. I said, oh, but surely, um, surely our guys had a look at that while they were there. He yeah. said, no, they didn't, even though I knew they were fucking told to. And he was so pissed off. He said, I'll never use your company again because um, I trusted you. If you'd have told me that we had problems in the rest drains in the rest of the house, we would have gone ahead and fixed it because it's cheaper to get it done while we're on site, right? Of course it is. We lost a good customer was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars because my team did not check the rest of his drains. Now, anyone that's listening, apply this to whatever you want, okay? It's our responsibility to check everything in that home, not just the plumbing, but anything that could shorten the equipment life or cause damage needs to be inspected and it needs to be presented to the customer with an option. Stop fucking selling and start presenting solutions. That's, sorry for the F word, uh, Adrian. It's, uh, I call it passion. A lot of people don't like it, but I could care less, I, right? I, I'm, I'm big on the F word, Alan. Yeah. Uh, Ferguson, Fedini, so anyway. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, so um, that's that's what I mean. The, the customer will never fix a solution yeah. to a problem they don't know they have. So this was, to me, this was a massive wake-up call. Um, and, um, you know, so how do we, let's say our listeners are either business owners or service managers, how do Absolutely. we get our team to follow the effing process um, to make yeah. sure that everything is done? Okay, I'll, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure. I'll share a little bit of a story. So um, I wasn't pure COD in Plumber Rescue. I also had B2B clients. So Strata, nursing homes, daycare centres, et cetera. Strata was a very large component. And, and a problem that we faced inside the Strata space, there was a lot of uh, companies coming into the market that were um, uh, $0 to quote, $0 to do this, zero, zero, no value, absolutely no value. And it was it was affecting um, our B two B market. So so what I did, I sat down and I came up with a concept. Well, it can't be cheaper than zero. And I came up with a concept called a hydraulic repair plan. And it, it was like packaging up services and putting a putting it from make, making something from intangible to a tangible. And uh, what what we did, we ended up dragging uh, taking that concept and dragging it over to the COD team. And I, I still stick stick on the B two B vein for this for this moment. We'd identify um, um, buildings with stormwater issues, sewer issues that are reoccurring, 
And what we would say is, look, you've had multiple issues. We know the history of this building. We're going to go and put together a full detailed report. Oh, we're going to camera every line. We're going to locate every single blockage. We're going to um, jet where we can, and we're going to give you a full scope of works, and we're going to traffic light it. Um, green's okay. Orange needs some work. Red needs to be dig uh, dug up or relined. And then what happened was we were starting to elevate ourselves from being uh, an average contractor to the expert level or an engineer. And all of a sudden we, we carry that authority. And what happened then was we would be 10, 20, even sometimes 25% higher than our competition because not only would we highlight them and, and their urgency, we would put a, a quotation together for that work. But because we came up with a concept, we'd still win it on the authority premise that we came up with the idea and they knew that they were cheaper, but they wanted to get the good service and, and, and the right people on the job. Then what we did, we took parts of that concept over to the COD market and whenever we'd finish a dig up, a reline or any um, significant drainage works, we would have a sewage diagram in Australia. Um, I'm sure you could do the same in America as well. And highlight what we've fixed, what we haven't fixed, what needs to be done. So we're even planning the seed for future jobs down the track. So it became a really, really uh, great way to have great communication, to have an amazing customer experience. So the customer knew what was happening and what wasn't happening. And then the next piece was was also too great for us to remarket to at a later date. So it was, yeah, it was a, 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 from a problem. And this is the thing I think it's great to know as business owners, from every problem, and like you said, from your failures, when you're losing work to somebody, you actually learn more. And, and it's, it's a really good lesson to, to, to remember. Yeah, I still remember that phone call. This customer actually was so pissed off that he had another problem that we didn't highlight. Um, and, you know, when I went back to the technician that actually sold the job, um, you know, he did the right thing. He followed the process. He won the sale. But I always recommend... Um, the service tech, I, I need to stop calling sales technicians, their service technicians or their service, senior service advisors um, should go back towards the conclusion of the job just to check that the job's done to the customer's satisfaction and then be looking for that further work. So when I asked, well, why didn't, why didn't you go and check the rest of these drains? He said, oh, oh Alan, he just spent 20,000. I'm, 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 you know, he's he's not going to spend any more because, you know, he's, I said, well, at, at what point are you your customer where you can make decisions on their spending? How do you know his financial position? How do you know he did? This guy would have, <laughs> if we were to put the additional work in front of him and told him that, you know, you've got some other problems looming, um, it was probably a 99% chance he would have gone ahead as long as, you know, he it did fit in his budget. So, um, but this is the importance of not just having processes in place for this, but having what I call where we've evolved with the perfect service call for drains. And, and you know, everyone's talking about call-by-call call management as if it's new. It's not fucking new at all. I think Joe told me he was training companies in 1991 um, before a lot of the contractors were actually contract that, that are out there now claiming fame from call-by-call call management. So we're now actually transitioning our clients across to a completely different process where it you don't need to be reliant on sales guys. You just need, you need technicians that will follow a system. They can explain to the customer, show the customer the problem. 
um, highlight what the problem is and give them solutions. They don't want to make sales, great. The call-by-call call manager or the senior manager can actually do that for them. So this is the change that's coming, um, which I think is going to make a big difference uh, to Everything that is old is new again. Yeah. So... Sorry, I'm 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 off on a rant about. No, not uh, at all, not at all. I, I pissed I, off I, about that customer that we lost, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll get I'll over it something. one day. <laughs> I'm sure you will, mate. We we can have a chat after this, but I'll I'll add something to what you said there, and I see this a lot when we're coaching um or or training sales training, uh technicians doesn't matter what trade they are, often they're younger, often they could be somewhere between twenty and thirty, um and. Sometimes, and not always, but often the bigger jobs are going to be at someone that might be 40, 50, 60 years of age. And their perce perceptions of the world are very different. Like to a 22-year-old or a 25-year-old, $10,000 is a huge amount of money, okay? Mm -hmm. Or to, to not to all, but to some, it could be a huge amount of money. But when you're a homeowner and you've got um, mortgages and debts and these things, all of a sudden, you're no longer just spending 20 grand on the drain. I'm protecting a $2.5 million asset. If I don't do the twenty thousand dollars worth uh, worth of work, that asset will depreciate and, and it'll cause me more and more problems. And it's really important. And I get this is also too why the call by call is fantastic because it takes that that um, um, perception blockage out of the pardon the pun with the blockage out of the equation. But also too, what you can do is try train the service techs to understand that their perception is not reality. It's it's reality for them, but it's not for their customer. So we and, and again, one of the core values of transformation is stand in your customers' shoes. Okay, You're, they're not twenty-five; they're fifty-one, whatever age they are. They've got this. They've got this asset they want to protect, and twenty grand might actually not even be a huge amount of money. So it's very important that we drop our filters, pause for a moment, again, slow down, stand in the shoes of our customer, and 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 do at least attempt to see the world the way that they see the world. And, not, and and like you said, also to stop trying to make decisions for them, get it in an option sheet and put it in front of the customer and let the customer decide. They can tell you no, and you're still in the same position, but more often than not, they're actually going to say yes. Well, what's the worst that, that can happen? They can say no. Um, but look, this, this is really important for any technicians that are listening here. And look, I don't say... I don't say things sarcastically to be a smart ass or anything. Well, maybe I do, I don't know. Um, but you are not your fucking customer. Okay. Please stop determining. This is this annoyed the hell out of me when, you know, we, we had customers that I remember one customer we end up doing a ninety thousand dollar drain repair off of off of an, an inspection, uh, no no urgency. It was just this customer really cared about their property and they didn't want to flood or they didn't want sewage coming into the house. Um, how would we have made a $90,000 sale if, if we didn't identify there was a problem and present the customer options, you know? So just for all technicians that are listening, I, I, I want to say this again, stop being, stop making decisions on behalf of your customer slow it down, as Adrian said, um, and just give your customer options. But you're genuinely, you're only going to present solutions to problems that they have. No, don't try putting stuff on there that they don't need. But I mean, you might, I mean, we both did uh, hot water. Um, you might have, there might be some really um, economical heat pump options on the market 
that can save the customer thousands of dollars in running costs. Nothing wrong with giving them that option or with air conditioning systems, but that that's probably one of the important takeaways I'd like to, to harp on here. Sales is not that hard. We we need to, you know, just stop trying to sell the customer and just help them to solve their problem. Let them make decisions. If they say no, they say no. I never accept no, by the way, and most yeah. Um, at, at least three soft days, if individuals not more. don't either. So <laughs> back to you, mate. Yeah, uh, there was um, something I was going to say there with the uh, the soft no, and it just escaped me. But yeah, look, it's it's oh yeah, I remembered my my train of thought. Um, success and failure failure starts and finishes here. Okay, it's all about the mindset, and it's um, also. Um, Someone you know from the past, Mike Aguilero, too. I've I've actually watched a lot of his stuff and been connected with him of late. And he says a lot about um, success and failure. I, I could give you every single possible sales technique, strategy, skill. And in, in, in the seven-step sales system, um, my sales system, the first two modules are all about mindset for clarity and success. Okay. Because if I don't get that headpiece right at the beginning, if I don't get the psychology right at the beginning, right, I'm definitely not going to, uh, the actual sales skills themselves aren't going to do one bit of difference because, oh, that's not the right suburb. That's not the right customer. That's not the right um, type of, uh, uh, some people even go to race, which I completely uh, disagree with. It's absolutely insane. Everybody has problems. They've called you for a reason. It's not a cold call, right? You're actually going to a job where someone's rang up and picked up your number uh, through Google, whatever means, or, or potentially you've remarketed back to them. They've called you for a reason. So if you start to doubt why you're there in the first place, then you're going to actually project that upon the customer and they're not going to proceed. Right. I actually go even one step further and say it's absolutely divine destiny that you've been called to their property. You're meant to be there. You're the right solution for them. And if you don't believe that, how the hell are they going to possibly believe that when you go to present your options to them? So I, I get very in, uh, emphatic on how I believe it's synchronicity and it's meant to happen when you're, when you're actually called to a customer's house. And that gives you a lot of resilience of something you just talked about. Another phrase I say often is, who are you in the face of no? Some guys will go no straight away. Before they even got a no, they're out the door. Some will go three, six, soft no's, hard no's, and still be there going, I know I'm the right solution. I'm just going to see if I can come in at, at this angle. I'm going to try and come in at, at this angle. And that resilience pays off. That's that's the difference between an order taker and, and, a, and a true sales professional. Love it, Adrian. Love it. Mike Aguilera, yeah, I think we he came we brought Mike down to Australia around 2012, 2011, something like that. I've learned a lot from Mike over the years. But just on the mindset thing, this was I did a great podcast earlier on this year with the the legend Lee Miltier, and her whole premise is about success as an inside job. So everything, and, and Mike's right, um, everything is is to do with our thinking. Um, and as Peter Cox used to say, if your thinking doesn't change, nothing changes, right? So, so Absolutely. Adrian, we're we're coming towards the end. This has been a lot of fun. This is not going to be the, this is not going to be the last podcast we've done together. Can't believe we haven't done one as yet. So, I know for our listeners, um, any any further words of wisdom, uh, and maybe based around a, a great book that you might recommend. Absolutely. Um... I'll go better than that. I'll give you a couple of books. I, I 
Uh, it's funny that you said this because this was uh, one of my little reels on Instagram. Uh, one of the best books for marketing and sales, classic. It was actually written in 1982. It's called Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. Mm -hmm. yeah, amazing book. Like It gives me goosebumps when I think about how much I've used this book in my training. Uh, Cialdini was a professor, I think it was a UC, UCLA University in America, uh, sat down and did a, a PhD on influence. Uh, influence and persuasion, never manipulation. Okay, Influence and persuasion is honest, ethical, and moral. And what he did, he went and worked with all these different um, sales professionals, and he narrowed it down to six different um, uh, kind of uh, topics that, that, uh, that influence fell into. And I'll, I'll see if I can remember my own... Um, my lessons. Number one, um, in no particular order, social proof. This is why five-star Google reviews and testimonials are so important. What you and I say about ourselves, Alan, doesn't matter. It's what other people say about us. And also social proof in using stories when you're selling. Uh, also to liking, you got to be likable. You don't want to become their friend, but you want to have that pro that friendly professionalism, but not going over. You never want to get personal and, and never talk about your personal life with the customer. However, you want to be approachable and and customer customer service focused. Um, scarcity, some sort of urgency, some some urgency in the sale. Consistency, um, so a, a proven process to an outcome. So it's really important that uh, they can see. It's like you might see in magazines: uh, six steps to financial freedom, or three steps to a, a, a washboard abs, and, and all that type of uh, marketing. That, that that's a really good headline. So that's four. There's two more: um, social proof, liking, scarcity. Uh, I'm trying to remember the other one off the. So consistency, liking, social proof, authority. Be the expert, as I mentioned with the hydraulic repair plan before. Uh, make sure that you're conveying across that you are meant to be there. You walk with, with volition. You walk with purpose. You talk with purpose. You pause when you go to speak. You don't just ramble. And the final one, liking uh, scarcity. I'm really testing myself today, Alan. Authority, Good. social proof, reciprocity. I nearly forgot it. Do something for them, hence back to the inspection and doing the little ones where you tighten up a toilet seat or change maybe a, uh, a light bulb supplied by the customer or something along those lines. Something that shows them that I'm caring for you, low cost to you and the business, but high value back to the customer. And that set, sets off this act of reciprocity where they go, well, he was so nice. I feel uh, almost like obliged to go and buy from him now. So that's, I, I won't go any further. That's the one book I would recommend. I won't go for the other ones. That's fantastic. I've actually read that book. I, I'm a big fan of Robert Caldini. Um, great book recommendation. And one of the, one of the ideas that come from that um, is stores that, give you a bottle of water or, or a, a, a small gift or a restaurant that gives you some mints. Um, they've, they've proven beyond doubt that the tipping goes up and people buy more when there's a little exchange of goods. So that's a great, um, great recommendation, Adrian. So uh, really do appreciate you coming on the podcast. And um, so now just um, how, do, how do our listeners get a hold of Adrian Fadini? Lovely. Uh, our Instagram ha uh, handle is Tradesformation, uh, also to our website. Um, I'm more than happy to uh, supply phone number and email too in um, in the closing credits. Sure. But yeah, reach out to us. Uh, we Yeah, we love to help you. I hope, I hope that um, what we've discussed today was helpful. I think it was, Alan. I, I'd love to actually do another podcast soon and find out more about 
um, uh, what's happening with your drain business and, and, and also to do some cross referrals backwards and forwards. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, look, um, I, I mean, my knowledge expands further than drains, but the reason I've decided to niche just in that area is because nearly every company that I've worked with that does drains, water heaters, plumbing, electrical, heating, cooling, sees the highest margins come from drains, especially when they introduce technology. And um, so I thought, well, there's no one out there just focusing on drains. And uh, there's lots of good coaches out there like yourself, Adrian, and Mike Gagaliero, and there's many others. I, I thought, well, let's let's just be the drain guy, you know? And I really don't mind. I enjoy it. I'm passionate about it. And uh, every company that I've worked with has found some value from that. So, uh, but uh, yeah, thanks again, Adrian. This has been fantastic. And I um, want to thank everyone that's joined us today. Alan, if, if I could say? just say a last couple of words, I want to really acknowledge you, mate. I'm going to get teary. I, I knew it wasn't far. Don't do that. Uh, what you did for Australia, mate, was huge. Uh, you were the front runner. You were bringing flat rate to Australia. I know it was probably 20 years ago when we first met. And I really want to acknowledge you for what you did. You, you, you were the catalyst to change our industry. Guys don't even have a clue of our, how hard it was back in the day with hourly rate and and I think um, lots of uh, organisations and authorities were trying to uh, uh, flat rate or upfront pricing was, was the devil reincarnate, and it was it was horrendous twenty odd years ago. And now people don't realise how lucky they are. And if you're still on hourly rate and you're not on flat rate, you got to reach out to Alan and myself because it's you're leaving not only money behind, you're leaving peace of mind, five star Google reviews, happy customers. It just dramatically changes your life. And and if it wasn't for Alan here on the call today, mate. Um, Australia would still be uh, a little bit behind. It would be. And, uh, yeah, look, I, um, um, I, I I sort of looked at the industry 20 years ago and realised that something needed to be done, you know, and um, thought who better to do it than me. And uh, But um, that's a whole other story. And, yes, we are 100%. going to do another podcast and we can venture into that. But, um, yeah. I'm glad you didn't cry on me. That's that's great. <laughs> I was close, mate. I was close. <laughs> no, it's good. All right. Well, thanks again, my friend, and uh, appreciate everyone, um, uh, my loyal listeners, not just from Pipeline to Profitability, but from uh, your your viewers as well. Yeah, thanks thank you for joining the us. Yeah. We'll thank be, you, we'll Adrian. Episode on both. Yeah. Everyone, go out there and uh, make some sales, but don't sell anything. <laughs> Thanks, Absolutely. Andrew. Take care, buddy. Thanks, and I'll look See forward you, to uh, chatting you on the next podcast, all right? Much appreciated, mate.